John, uh, chapter 20, verses 1 to 18. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. So she came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we don't know where they have put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent over and looked in, the strips of linen lying there, but didn't go in. Then Simon Peter came along behind him and went straight into the tomb. He saw the strips of linen lying there, as well as the cloth that had been wrapped around Jesus' head. The cloth was still lying in its place, separate from the linen. And finally, the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went inside. He saw and believed. They still did not understand from Scripture that Jesus had to rise from the dead. Then the disciples went back to where they were staying. Now Mary stood outside the tomb, crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking he was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus said, Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. Thanks, Maddie. And thanks to the team for leading us today. Lower this a little bit. Or not. There we go. Don't you just love Easter? Friends and family coming in, gathering. I know some of us here are visiting from out, out of town. Some of us may be visiting from here in the valley. I just love Easter. Spring is... Is it still snowing out there? I was going to say spring has sprung, but my goodness. How many of you drove in the snow this morning? The early service crew did. Yeah. How many of you drove in from Alberta snow? Oh, you don't have to say that. Love Easter, and it's a long weekend. That's exciting, right? Long weekends are great for most of us. Some of us have to work because we've bought into businesses or we've uh, you know, got jobs where, well, we demand your attention, so we're thankful that you work. I was thinking about all the symbols that crop up around Easter. There's the Easter lilies. We see those popping up all over. There's even fluffy bunnies. I was trying to think who that would be in my life. <laughs> but there you go. Uh, there's been rabbit ears at, several, uh, at our early, early service, and now I think I see a set right in front of Jesse back there. There's some rabbit ears. How about chocolate eggs? Who gets really excited about that idea? 
And then, of course, the image of new life pushing up through the cracks. I think there's an Easter image for you, isn't there? And, of course, the probably the greatest uh, symbol of all is three empty crosses and one empty tomb. Easter is the celebration of life, and I love that. There's just so many things about this season, this weekend, that point us toward life, whether it's Easter family meals or Easter egg hunts or even gathering like this at an Easter Sunday service. Easter's all about life, life coming beyond death, life arriving in spite of death, even unbelievably life punching through death itself. Because we all know, whether we've spent much time thinking about it or not, we all know that Easter Sunday comes after Good Friday. That the life we're celebrating today is linked to a horrific tragedy that just happened the day before yesterday, where this one amazing man, the Son of God himself, Jesus, was falsely accused and brutally tortured and mercilessly executed by some bloodthirsty religious nuts and some cold-hearted political weaklings. Easter life comes after an ugly death. But somehow that makes sense. Because Easter makes Jesus' death really matter. Easter means resurrection. And resurrection means that Jesus wasn't just another moral teacher. He wasn't just another railing prophet. He wasn't another loser Messiah getting people's hopes up and then dashing them to the ground. Easter made his life matter. If he'd stayed dead, if he'd stayed dead, we wouldn't be having this conversation. We wouldn't be celebrating them this weekend. We wouldn't care. If he'd just been in that tomb that morning, if they'd just been able to trot out his body and present it, everything he said would have been lost in the sands of time. Easter makes what Jesus did in his life matter. All that he said about God's kingdom coming somehow, it was a bit confusing, but he described it in those terms. All that he taught about a life worth living, all of that somehow matters now because of Easter. And so our question this morning is quite simple. Can Easter do the same for us? If Easter made the life and death of Jesus matter, can it make ours matter too? Because I think that's a really valid question. I mean, beyond uh, Easter just being a, a high religious holiday, beyond it, the customary uh, meals and celebrations, beyond the, the yearly nod to God that Easter invokes in us culturally, why does Easter really matter? We live in a brutal world, rocked by terrible events. You know, another series of bombings, this time in Brussels. Suicides among our youth. Evil still destroys people. Death still comes. Life still sucks for so many people. We struggle with our own purpose. We feel a void in our own lives. We try to... Find something that will make sense of it. We, we struggle within our marriages. We struggle with loneliness. We wrestle within our own hearts and our own minds. So does Easter really make a difference or not? Or is it just a religious platitude that we'd all be better without? Does Easter give us real hope that changes reality? Or does it just raise false hope, uh, deluding us to the brutal truth that really, this is all there is to life? So you'd better make the most of it before you choke. I'm not sure where you're at this Easter. I'm actually making no assumptions here on Easter morning about where you are on the faith spectrum, where you are in your journey, what you think of Jesus, where you think he's a real guy, whatever. I'm not making any assumptions here this morning. 
wherever you are in that journey, I want you to know I'm really happy that you decided to join us. Really happy that here on Easter we could be together. So can I be candid with you? I'm a follower of Jesus. I don't know if that's, I hope that's not shocking to anyone here today. (laughs) I am a follower of Jesus. I actually believe that Jesus really did live and die and rise again on Easter and that he lives today. I'm actually firmly convinced, I, I, I believe that with all my heart and mind, I've staked my entire life on that fact. But there are days, hear me closely, there are days when I feel like we're stuck in one long, murky, tragic Friday afternoon. The air smells like death and flies just sort of buzz over the decay. The hurt and the pain in the world can just be overwhelming. There's such ache in people's lives and the trauma that we've endured and the cycles of abuse that continue to perpetuate the tragedy of broken souls. Life can feel meaningless. It can feel hopeless. It can, it can feel like we're all just kind of groping around in the darkness. And when I hear your stories, when I read our history, when I, when I, when I read the daily news, when I consider my own struggles, my own loss, I can find myself asking, can this life really matter? And then, And then there are days when the cracks appear and the light shines through and the grace leaks in and it fills up those gaping holes where people reach out in love and they forgive even the people who've oppressed them. Where a man chooses to love his wife more instead of just pulling away and forgetting about her. When a son or a daughter begin to reconnect with family that they've been estranged from. Where marriages begin to heal and friendships mend and grow and neglected people get included, lost souls are loved, where men and women and children begin in some way to discover that there's this Jesus who loves them. And they begin, as they take steps toward Him, to experience healing and forgiveness and grace and purpose. And sometimes it seems to all happen in the same day. You know what I'm saying? Friday's death seems like it's going to overwhelm. And then all of a sudden, it's as though Easter just floods back, washing away the stench of death, pulling up life through the cracks, because that's what Easter does. Easter wins. Easter always wins. Easter makes death mute and life loud. How? Because of this one thing. The one thing that Easter is all about. Jesus, who died on Friday, rose from the dead on Sunday. And it was totally and utterly surprising. It was completely unexpected. No one was looking for this, you understand. Not as followers, don't think that. Not as friends. There wasn't some secret conspiracy to spirit his body away. There was no hidden hope in anyone's mind. No one thought for a second that Jesus would actually rise again from the dead on Sunday. But Jesus, dead on a slab in a stone-cold tomb on Friday night, rose up brand new on Easter morning. And not as a ghost or an idea, not as some dreamy hallucination or some religious wish fulfillment. Jesus rose in flesh and blood with a heart that was pumping, with organs that were working, with hands that touch and feet that walk and a passion that people would experience life 
And because of his resurrection, life matters. Let's look into that Mary story that we heard just for a minute to see how this connects with us. You know, on that first Easter morning, Mary wandered to the grave of Jesus, lost and alone and filled with despair. What was she expecting to find? What was she expecting to see? What was she expecting to smell? Death. Death. And more death. That's what she was expecting. Friday's death still defined her reality. How could it not? She had seen what had happened. All her hopes had been shattered on that hill when the man she loved so deeply had been absolutely crushed, abused, reviled, and died. And her heart still mourned. But Friday's death had already been overcome. Her whole reality was about to shift. Rather than holding her nose at the stench of death, she was about to drink in deep the aroma of life. Seeing her weeping before the empty grave, Jesus asked her, Why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? What could she have said at that point? Why was she crying? What was she looking for? I'm looking for a dead friend. Have you seen him? I'm here to tend to death. I'm I'm crying because all hope has been lost. I, I came to see him off in the only way I knew how, and he's already gone. My life is no longer worth living. She could have said all those things, but thinking that Jesus was the gardener, must be responsible in some way, Mary leaps to a kind of backhanded insult and appeal. If you've taken him, please tell me where so I can get him. Imagine how much emotion she must have been feeling at this moment. Imagine how frantic. Can you feel it? How much despair there on that Easter morning must have threatened to strangle her. But everything was about to change. Easter was about to dawn in Mary's life. And it did with one word. One intimate, knowing word. Her name. Mary. At the sound of her name on the lips of this gardener, Easter rose in Mary's devastated heart. Hearing her name, hope flooded back in over her despair. That Easter made life matter again. It made Jesus' life matter. It made her life matter. It changed Everything. How does it do that for us? How does it do that for me? Let me share two ways it does it for me. See if it connects to you. First, Easter makes life matter because it removes our fear of death. Death is pervasive, isn't it? I mean, there's the troubling fact that we all die. I don't know how often you think of your dying day. I know some of you have perfected the art of leaving that one to the side. We probably don't think of it terribly often. But we all know that death holds a date for you and for me. We're going to all die, some sooner than others, some unexpectedly. Death is the great problem of life. Death caps off our existence. And we wonder, does life really matter in the face of death? Have you ever wondered that? Ever wondered, thought, is this all there is? But even on a more daily level, the fear of death can be seen expressed in our fear of disappointment, in our, in our fear of loss. 
in our, in our fear, in our relationships, in our, our fear of failure, in our fear of dealing with the junk that's in our lives, the addictions that keep us strangled, the, the struggles we have in relationships, the struggles we have in our lives, our fear of death can be seen expressed in our marriage problems. It can be expressed in our deep, nagging doubts. The fear that our life doesn't really count. The fear of the great unknown, be that just tomorrow or some murky future. But Easter changes all that because Jesus, he beat death. He rose again. Death no longer holds its power. Death can't have the final say anymore. That's why Easter takes away our fear for good. There's a little verse in a, in a, in a letter in the Bible, letter to the Hebrews, and it's... Um, it's a verse I love because it expresses something beautiful about the way Jesus deals with our fear of death. Let me read a little bit. I only have half of it on the screen. The first part says, Because God's children, people, are human beings, made of flesh and blood, the Son, that's Jesus he's referring to, also became flesh and blood. Okay, this is just the story that many of us have memorized, the old scripture, John 3.16. Some of us have heard of that scripture. John 3.16, God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son. That's the story here. We're human. God became human in Jesus. Why? Here it is on the screen. For only as a human being could he die. And only by dying could he break the power of the devil who had the power of death. Only in this way could he set free all who have lived their lives as slaves to the fear of dying. Hear that? Jesus met death and he beat it so that we could live a life that was fearless. See the difference that Easter can make in our lives? Look at the difference it made for Mary. In that very moment, her worst fears were transformed beyond her wildest dreams. Her, her fear of a failed faith, her, her fear of obscurity, her fear of loss, her, her fear that everything she'd invested, all that she'd given, these years poured out to this Messiah that ended up just dying on them, all of that transformed her fear of her own death, her fear of Jesus' death, her, her fear that nothing mattered anymore. All of it was gone in a moment. Easter makes life matter by taking away our fear of death. And then, and then you know what happens when our fear of death has been removed, when death itself has been defeated? We can now really live. That's the second way that Easter makes life matter. Easter makes today count forever. Many of, many of us have played the, the fun thought experiment. Maybe you had to do this at work sometime or I don't know. The, the question is, what would you do if money were no object? You know, you know that game? all had experiences. What would you do if money were no object? And people talk about their hopes and their dreams. And, and you learn a lot about the person, don't you? If they're honest, you learn a lot. You wonder if you should put him for a job transfer after you find out what he would do. You, you, you learn about per, what a person really cares about. You, learn, you find out they would quit this job. They actually hate it. Or you find out that they would build this thing or they would go this place or they would, they would get this experience or they would do this for this family or they would do this for their mom and dad. Whatever it is, you find out a lot about the person, right? When you find out what they would do if money were no object. Well, here's the question for you today. What would you do if death were no object? What kind of legacy would you create? What kind of life would you build? If, if what you did today, if who you love tomorrow, 
if what you pursue the next day actually mattered for the long term, past death, into the promised resurrection life that Jesus guaranteed, what would you do? What would you stop doing? How would you live? How would you act? What would you change? I'm very inspired by this question. I really am. You see, now that the lid has been blown off death, my life matters forever. It's a crazy thought. That everything I do matters. Everything I say matters. Who I love matters. What I hate matters. What I care about. What I dream about. What I forget about. What I ignore. It all matters now. For the long term. That Easter makes my life today count forever. Is that inspiring to you? Or is it just a little bit frightening? Because I feel a mix of both. Do you feel a mix of both? Jesus punched through death so that you and I could really live. Jesus' resurrection gives us new purpose. Look what happened for Mary. Poor Mary, forgotten Mary, hovering Mary, PTSD Mary. There she is, arriving early at the tomb. And tell me, what was Mary's status in society? Was it up here? Was it here? Maybe here? More likely Way down here. That was her status. She had a bit of a backstory. One woman in a very male-dominated culture. She had just tossed away three years of her life following a failed Messiah, or so it seemed. The very authority of Rome had put him to death, and now who was she? What was left in her life? What kind of purpose did she have now? Maybe to fade into the background, to hope no one noticed, just to be quiet, keep your eyes down, do what you can. In those last moments commemorating Jesus' death, maybe do a little bit of something for Him, something that no one else seemed to be there to do, to show up early in the morning to tend to His body, do something that, well, at least the men had failed to notice. Mary, the obscure, the unnoticed, the alone, there she was. But then Jesus was there, standing before her, saying her name, strong and healthy and unbelievably, unimaginably alive. You can understand why she grabs a hold of Jesus and doesn't want to let him go. But but what does Jesus do at that moment? What does he do for Mary? This is so significant. This is so important. What does he do for Mary? Jesus commissions Mary. This ignored woman... This person of lower social status. Her. To be the one to tell all the others. To be the first apostle, which just means sent one. To be the first apostle to the apostles. Mary was given a new purpose and she was sent to tell the men. The amazing, unbelievable news that Jesus was alive. The fact that this task was given to a woman reminds us again that this is an eyewitness account. That no man sitting down a few years later thinking, I want to fake a story about Jesus. No one from that era would have written a woman into this job. You understand, women weren't even allowed to testify in court. They weren't considered credible. Here we are, Jesus, telling Mary the first news. Empowering her 
to be his witness. You think a man would have made that up? No. But Jesus, he loved women. And he consistently raised their status. He did this for anyone who was down, the poor, the needy, the disenfranchised, the ignored. He was always doing that. And here, Jesus chooses Mary to be his messenger, his apostle, to give his testimony of resurrection to everyone else. And in that moment, Mary's purpose changed from preparing the dead body of a Messiah to the resurrection of her Lord. Isn't that amazing? So there it is. Easter gives new purpose. Easter makes today count forever. In Easter, you and I find out maybe beyond our wildest dreams, maybe unexpectedly, that our lives count, that what we do today counts, what we say today counts, what we care about counts, what we think about, what we lie about, what we fake about, what we pursue, it all counts. Why? Because Jesus destroyed death and everything we do now counts. His resurrection gives us meaning for today. It gives us purpose for our lives and now we can live out that purpose. Life matters. What would you do if death were no object? Because it's not. Not anymore. Yeah, you still got a date with death. So do I. You and I are still going to die, some of us, sooner than later. But, and this is the critical change here, death no longer holds power. Over life. It's been defeated. Death has been changed from a door into the murky unknown where people just go into the ground and die and who knows to a door into resurrection life because Jesus made the journey through that door and He came back through the door to tell us that everything is going to be alright. You want to sing the song? Everything is going to be alright. Yeah, yeah. There's an image. There's an Easter image for you. Jesus singing that song. Okay, now we can live today because life counts. We can live now, knowing that life matters. In light of a much longer, much more significant, ultimate reality that resurrection life matters. Starting today, starting now. At least that's how I see it. Easter makes life matter by taking away our fear of death and by making today count forever. All because Jesus died and rose again from the dead for us. Well, how does that sit with you? Or maybe more importantly, what kind of difference could this make in your life? Can you imagine living a life with no fear of death? Can you imagine the difference it would make in your relationships, in your work? Can you imagine the difference it would make in your emotional health? If you were no longer afraid of what's coming, can you see the difference that resurrection makes for you? And I know for some of you, that hits home hard because you live daily with worry, with anxiety, with fear. It's like a constant companion. It's like something or someone you've been dragging around for years that's constantly, constantly reminding you of all the bad things that could happen. And so worry and fear has been a dominant reality in your life. Can you imagine what it would be like to live without that fear? 
where you don't need to let the fear of failure hold you back because the ultimate fear has already been destroyed. Death is no longer an object. And so, yes, this might be a big deal in front of you. This might be something that's a concern to you, but come on. It's nothing compared to death. And death is dead. You don't need to let the fear of loss keep you from loving, holding you back, keep you from serving, keep you from putting it all out there because Jesus has already taken the ultimate loss on our behalf. And he came through very much alive. Can you imagine what it would be to live a life without fear? And then as you imagine that life without fear, can you get a sense of how today would change, of how what you do today, what you think today, what you pursue today, what you love today, all of a sudden really, really matters because Easter makes everything matter. Can you see the change that would make in the way that you work? The people that you love and the things that you pursue. Jesus is standing before an empty tomb. And he's calling your name. Can you hear it? He's giving you a new mission. He's commissioning you with a brand new purpose to be the kind of person that makes his death-defeating, life-transforming, resurrection power known in the way that you live, in the, in the things that matter to you, in the things that don't matter to you, in the, in the fear that you all of a sudden don't have anymore, in the, the things that you're concerned about, all of that making his death-defeating, life-transforming, resurrection power known to people who are still living under the shadow and the trauma of Friday afternoon death. What a purpose. Can you imagine the difference that this true and lasting purpose would make in your life, in the lives of the people around you? Well, that's my hope for you this Easter. That this Easter day would mark, for some of us, the first day where we began to live without fear, or began to embrace the new purpose, to realize that this life, this good life that Jesus has accomplished for us, can keep getting better and better in light of the promise the guarantee of resurrection. Death has been defeated. Fear has been taken away. A new purpose has come because he is risen. He is risen. He is risen. He is risen. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, you stand today alive, hale and hearty, flesh and blood, holding out the promise that what happened for you will happen for us. And so we don't need to live with fear of death. You've already defeated it. We don't need to live purposeless and lost, but we can embrace the purpose you have given us. That in the ways we live, speak, act, love, we can make known that there's no need to be afraid. You rose. And because of your resurrection, everything has changed. Thank you, Jesus, for your death and your resurrection, for your life given to us today. We pray this in your name. Amen.